That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, here it is, Trinity Sunday, your favorite Sunday, my favorite Sunday, and every curate Sunday to preach. I'm, uh, we're back, and we're going to be looking at the readings for this week for Trinity Sunday. Before we dive in, I'm on a new mic because we've gotten enough complaints, and so... But From I wanted, me. <laughs> but I wanted to see, check in and see how you're doing. So how do I sound, first of all? You sound great. You sound like the voice of an offspring produced by a unicorn and a koala. I'm just thinking of soft, fuzzy, cute yeah. things that just that's seem inviting yet mystical. I know, that, always. That's how I should sound. So, uh, I, mean, I, got to, I got to hear you preach live and in person for the first time uh, at the Mockingbird Conference since probably seminary, mm-hmm. and it was uh, It's been a lot of great. improvement. So. I mean, you've come a long way. <laughs> I was just like, I can't believe I knew him when he was just a pup. Yeah. And look at him now. Oh, uh, that young Pelagian. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You were a semi-Pelagian, to yeah, be fair. that's right. Uh, I will say, you look great, because you've just gotten back from Mexico. You look tanned. You look somewhat... You look rested, even though I know deep down you're not, but you look great, which is the most important thing. There's no rest for the weary. So, uh, but uh, no, it's right. great. It's good to be back. I have discovered uh, jet skis. And um, if I wasn't worried... Have you worried, never been on one before? No. And if I uh, wasn't worried about getting into the Hudson River, I would hmm. definitely get a jet ski. So. They're a lot of fun, but I got to say, they are something... It's like something that's super fun, but also doesn't really have a reason to exist. If you think about, you know, the, I was thinking about jet skis, like cars, they pollute, they make noise, but they're super convenient because you get from one place to another. They make life easier for lots of people. Jet skis, it's just pure pollution and burning of fossil fuels for no good reason. I mean, maybe there's the odd aquatic rescue that is aided by a jet ski, but it's mostly it's so people can go like back and forth and just make noise and put oil in the water and scare off the fish and terrorize the dolphins. That's what they're for. But they're super fun. I'm not judging you, Jake. Yeah. But if you're going to do it, I do it in the name of Jesus. And so (laughs) that makes it all right. So, uh, but uh, here we are. It's uh, Trinity Sunday, your favorite Sunday, my favorite Sunday, as mentioned earlier. What's your favorite illustration of the Trinity, uh, Aaron? Do you have one? Uh, I don't, because they're all heretical. I just, right. I published that, uh, we published the Athanasian Creed in the back of the bulletin, and we put, uh, we put that little diagram, mm-hmm. uh, the famous sort of triangular diagram, but says sure. that, you know, Jesus is God, the Spirit is God. Spirit is, and, and um, the Father is God, but then it also says, like, God is not the Son, mm-hmm. the Son is not the Spirit, the Son is not the Father. So that's what we do, uh, and I try to stay away from analogies. If anything, I heap scorn and mockery upon those analogies and anybody that attempts to use them. The egg, the water, whatever your favorite analogy might be, the, the lion, the tin man, the scarecrow, whatever it is. Uh, but uh, nevertheless... 
whether you are preaching about Trinity Sunday or your associate slash curate slash assistant is preaching Trinity Sunday, or maybe you're a layperson listening to this and your church doesn't do Trinity Sunday, I will have you know that it's actually a really important Sunday and it's something every year after Pentecost. So Pentecost is the giving of the Holy Spirit. That was last Sunday, obviously. We talked about that. Now that the Holy Spirit has arrived in the church year, we've got all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, just like in Don McLean's American Pie. And so the first Sunday after the coming of the Holy Spirit is Trinity Sunday, which is a Sunday where the readings are kind of drawn to just show the people in the congregation that the Trinity is not an idea that we just, you know, as Dan Brown might say, just kind of came up with, concocted, cooked up in some back room. Um, it's actually something that's the heart of the understanding of God. In, yeah. in the Christian tradition. And it really, and here's the thing where it matters. Like, I think either in churches, there's kind of two mistakes. One is never talk about the Trinity, which is, which results in Christians thinking, I believe in God as like the senior God, he's the CEO. And then there's like the senior vice president, which is Jesus. And then there's the Holy Spirit, um, some sort of lower person maybe he's like the regional branch manager or something but it's you get this either people only talk about god the father and god the son and never talk about the holy spirit or they have them in some sort of ranked order uh where there's kind of the the great one the middle one and then the lower one um there's all these uh problems that come if you never talk about it the other thing that people do is they talk about this and they preach a relatively orthodox down the line explain the Trinity. There is no division among the Trinity. We don't believe in three gods. We believe in one God, yet three persons, and they're all God. None of them existed before the others. They've all always existed. Like, they'll do it doctrinally correct, but they won't explain why it matters for the believer. Like, why is this important that we keep this? So, I think, you know, for preachers who are preaching this, or listeners who are just curious about the Trinity, um, you, the key thing I think I, I always try to communicate here is, is this is at the heart of how Christians understand God. It's really important that we try to get it right. And when we get it right, it means that we end up with um, an understanding of God that makes a huge difference in our own lives. Yeah. Uh, well, two things. Um, just for, uh, tr yes, avoid the uh, Trinity analogies. Although Jim Monroe had one of the best ones I've ever heard. And if you're going to preach heresy... Uh, three in one uh, body wash. It uh, can be a uh, body wash. It can also be shampoo and conditioner. And uh, that really was uh, super funny. Also, if you are going to put the Athanasius Creed into your bulletin this year, make sure you uh, look at the um, if you make sure you look at the um, at the, uh, the the copy of the text. Don't use an old Athanasius Creed. I did that once. And then the original, like in the old English version that you find in like, the older prayer books, I'm yeah, it, was, it was like his godhood touched his manhood. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of as, <laughs> as touching his manhood. Yeah. And anyway, <laughs> a lot of that. Uh, you could hear like the men with the same sense of humor as I do and myself giggling throughout the entire uh, saying of the creed. So uh, if you want to avoid manhood, uh, touching manhood, um, find a modern translation of that creed. Um, the other thing is, is I think you're absolutely right. If you can preach an Orthodox sermon on uh, Trinity Sunday, but if it doesn't, if the rubber doesn't hit the road, then uh, you miss the whole thing, you know? Um, uh, but it is at the very heart of Christianity. Now in the Bible and the New Testament never says that 
you know, here's the Holy Trinity, you know, it never, but it is implied. It's, it's, uh, it's not explicit, but it is implicit in the scriptures that God is three and he's one. And it's for a very specific purpose and a pastoral purpose. And, uh, you know, I hope we get to it as we look at our readings. Proverbs chapter 8, 1 through 4, 22 to 31. And then our readings are from Romans 5, 1 through 5, and then John 16, 12 to 15. So um, jumping in here, uh, Aaron, so here we have Proverbs and we have wisdom being depicted as a, as a, as a, as a wisdom. Yeah, any, wisdom being depicted as wisdom. I lost my train of thought just there for a second. But uh, what would you say about this? Anything you want to hit on? I do have a couple of thoughts that I would preach about. Wisdom being depicted as another word that begins with W, a woman. Uh, wisdom, uh, does not wisdom call and does not understanding raise her voice. And at the crossroads, she takes her stand. So this is a, obviously a Jewish writing about wisdom and wisdom gets personified. This is obviously a pre-Christian writing. So this is not somebody who has any sort of robust understanding of the Trinity or even the concept of that idea, and and certainly would not have an understanding of the Holy Spirit as Christians would have post-Pentecost and post-2000 years of Christian history. But we do have this idea that wisdom is this person, and seems to be a divine personage, and I would say, by the way, I would not necessarily make my whole sermon about this passage, and that's not because I want to, you know, preserve the patriarchy or anything like that, or make sure we don't have any feminine um, imagery for God, because we absolutely have feminine imagery for God in the scriptures. But it's um, it's pro- this passage to me is problematic for establishing a good understanding of the Holy Spirit, because it per- if you use, if you say, and, and the reason this is here, by the way, is because people do see this understanding of wisdom as like a pre-Christian partial revealing of the idea that we would eventually come to understand as the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom, the Holy Spirit, wisdom is sort of the wisdom of Jesus, and Jesus teaches us, and the Spirit teaches us the wisdom of Jesus. So, that's why this reading is here. If it seems like, why is this for Trinity Sunday? It's because wisdom is sort of seen as this being related to the Holy Spirit. But the passage itself is problematic, taken out of context, because it says, the Lord created me. (laughs) That's totally not Orthodox Trinitarian theology. Uh, So, this is like the you know, the text is inspired, and the person writing this text was inspired, but this, to me, is not about the Holy Spirit as we would understand the work of the Holy Spirit today. So, I would steer clear. However, like, the ideas that are important here are just the fact that this pre-Christian understanding of something called wisdom that is related to the Holy Spirit does indicate that this divine personified being of wisdom was there at the beginning of the creation of the earth, and it's it, what I think part of what this is trying to say is the Holy Spirit has been around from the beginning. Is kind of what they're trying to say. But again, I think it's a problematic passage for this. I would not have included it if I was on the committee. So do with that what you will. Uh, what would you would you do anything with it, Jake, or would you just uh, let well, it lie and move on to I the pro- Romans reading? Jake would probably let that dog hunt if we're honest. But uh, you know, uh, but there is a couple of things. One, first of all. You, um, you, you want to be careful too much about putting, you know, I mean, there have been some clergy that now want to change the creed to when it references the Holy Spirit, they want to say she based on this particular passage in the use in Proverbs. Um, and, and that's that's bad. 
you know, we have to remember, too, that in a lot of different languages, um, there are male and female languages, like uh, female and masculine and feminine uses of words. And uh, I think that's what's going on here uh, when you have a direct uh, wisdom in the Hebrew is a feminine word. So uh, that's what's going on here. It's not necessarily something you want to build an entire theology on. Second, uh, in this particular passage, if you were going to preach on this, I don't know if you'd want to go necessarily the entire Trinity Sunday route, um, uh, because this is to be contrasted with the woman in, in Proverbs chapter 7, who's a foolish woman. So this particular woman, this wisdom, uh, draws uh, to the wisdom of God and uh, and to glorify God and to uh, think about God as opposed to the harlot in the previous chapter. However, the reason why it's oftentimes associated with Trinity Sunday is because of the end uh, where you have this, and, and this is an important hermeneutic. You interpret the scriptures through other scriptures first, you know what I mean? You don't go like people do with Revelation to the New York Times first or to CNN or what's going on there. You interpret the scriptures through the scripture and there is a lot of conversation here, and you're absolutely right. The implication here is, is that uh, uh, God created this thing, so, so you have to be careful. But there is this idea here of it something preeminent and uh, God's wisdom being a part of the creation and helping establish. And so if you were going to touch on something, you could touch on Trinity Sunday the idea of God being in creation. And so uh, God, uh, part of the Trinity, is the same God who created everything you see and is the same God who created you. So that's the mm. first point I would hit. And if you are at a church that has more freedom with the lectionary, if I were going to have an Old Testament passage, I would just have the first few verses of Genesis 1, which mm -hmm. describes the creation of the universe by God, and it says that the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, and God said, let there be light. So mm -hmm. there's God the Word, that spoken act of God, and then there's God the Spirit hovering over the waters, and there's God the Father, the Creator. So mm -hmm. if you and had freedom says, to do that... let us. Yeah, it says let us... Yeah, so anyways, moving on, Romans chapter 5. Uh, this is a famous passage that's used uh, because of justification by faith, this great idea that we are loved and saved and uh, justified apart from anything we do. We don't have to prove anything, we don't have to perform for God, we're accepted. But this is also a passage that talks about the Trinity. It, it, there's no um, place in the Bible where you can go and look up the word Trinity and then it'll say, this is what it means. The Trinity is an idea that's woven through, and when you take a step back to look at the tapestry of Scripture, you see very clearly um, after the full revelation of Jesus Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit, we see God as understood in the early church and in the early Scriptures as these three persons in one God. There's always this affirmation of a triune, of, of, a, of one God, and there's always this affirmation even from Jesus' own statements, um, which we would have read on the fourth Sunday of Easter, I and the Father are one. Uh, so Jesus is God, and the Spirit here obviously uh, talked about uh, as a person of the Godhead. So this is one of those passages that has all that in there, because we have peace with God, in other words, peace with God the Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, and then uh, goes on at the end to say that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And if you want to really kind of make this Sunday about why the Trinity matters, um, this is a great way to do it, because if Jesus Christ is not God, he is not able to do his work, his fully redeeming work through his death and resurrection. Um, and he's just a bit 
bit player, an important bit player, but a bit player in, you know, the main deity, God the Father's work. But if Jesus is God, he can really accomplish that which he says he does. He can be a fitting and perfect sacrifice for the sins of the whole world, and he can defeat death and the devil. Um, and the, what we see here in this passage also is that the Holy Spirit's work is to help us know that love of God and to be in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is God working in your daily life. It's God um, speaking into your conscience. It's God speaking into your emotional life. It's God, it's, it's when you have that feeling of um, overwhelmed uh, belovedness or grace in church, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you have a nudge, you know, saying maybe you should say hello to that newcomer next to you in the pew, that's the Holy Spirit. Or um, all the, the Holy Spirit is God's work in your life right now in your heart and in your mind. And that's um, the important part there. Mm. You know, Romans 5 is one of my favorite, uh, favorite passages in the entire Bible. And uh, it's, it's, it's very powerful, and I think it relates to Trinity Sunday in a real way. Um, uh, Paul begins, you know, since we have been justified by faith, uh, therefore we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this is incredibly important uh, because without faith, as St. Paul has stated in all of the previous chapters, we're actually not just having a bad hair day, um, uh, we are having, uh, we're not just having a bad hair day, we are at war with God. Um, and uh, it's because, our, it's not just we mess up a little bit here and there, but we have a proclivity to total cosmic treason. And so, uh, and that's important to understand. And so essentially what justified by faith means is that the very action of God that deals with the evil that we are, having been justified, having been declared in a right relationship with God, and this is rooted in the Old Testament, um, uh, is uh, greater than our very reality, our reality and desire to sin. And this is what Paul is getting at through the rest of the reading today, two through five. What if I mess up? What if I mess up? You know, uh, well, uh, God's grace never runs out. This is the point. He doesn't say to you, Dan, you blew it again. No, God's reality of justification and declaring you righteous is greater than your reality of disobedience and messing up. We have all sorts of objective reasons to doubt this peace, aka the visibility of our own sin. But more importantly, you have objective reason to rest in peace because of Jesus Christ. This is what this peace is all about. This is the peace with God that is actually realized by, uh, by faith. And that is the gift that God has given you to believe God, despite all evidence to the contrary, that he's totally justified you. And so if the first reading was all about the God who has uh, created the universe is the same God who's created you, the point you want to hit on here in Romans 5 is that the same God who created you in his Son is the same God who now justifies you and declares you righteous, despite all evidence to the contrary. And so if you're building on a theme today on Trinity Sunday, Proverbs 1 is all about the God who created the heavens and the earth, created you. Uh, and now this is the same God in Jesus Christ who takes on flesh to, by faith, justify you before him. And then it moves beautifully into our gospel reading today. Uh, Romans chapter, uh, excuse me, Romans, John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15, where Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit and what the whole work of the Holy Spirit 
is actually there to do. And uh, would there be anything you'd want to hit on, Aaron? Um, I love the way it shows Jesus's uh, awareness of his own students' ability to understand things. Uh, and this, to me, is the mind of God that we see throughout Scripture. If you look at how God reveals himself in the Old Testament, he doesn't give them the whole enchilada from the beginning. And again, God deals with you where you are and explains things to you in ways you can understand now and doesn't give you more than you can handle, which is just very much on par with how God is gracious, compassionate, kind, generous, forgiving, understanding, accepting. And many people sadly are not aware that God is that way. They think God is judgmental, harsh, and just a kind of divine killjoy. But so I love that you see Jesus saying, look, I want to tell you everything, but you just can't handle it right now. So the Spirit <laughs> is going to come, and He's going to guide you. And again, this is, this, to me, this is a very important text that helps us understand how just Scripture itself comes to be, God communicating, but doing it in a way that we can understand. So there's kind of a hermeneutical thing going on there. But um, the uh, the... This is where I get the thing I talked about before, where God the Holy Spirit's work is to be God with us in our daily life, guiding and directing us. And this is where Jesus says that the Spirit will speak whatever He hears, and He'll declare to you the things that are to come. He'll guide you into truth. Um, he'll take what is mine and declare it to you, meaning He'll remind you of the gospel. He'll remind you of what God has done for you in Jesus. He'll remind you that your righteousness is not your own, but it has been given to you. He'll remind you that you are forgiven. Um, this is the voice of God in your life. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in your in your ear, in your mind, in your heart. Uh, he takes what is God's and what is Christ and declares it to you, lets you know that it is for you. And so, uh, I mean, yeah, that's what I would say about John 16. It's beautiful. And it's something Jesus is saying to his disciples, again, to contextualize it the night before he dies. And it's the night mm -hmm. before, it's, he's about to be betrayed by all of them and, and uh, abandoned by all of them. And he still says he's going to send this. So there's, there's just so much grace in this passage as well, implicitly just based on the context. He's saying, I'm going to give you the most wonderful gift anyone's ever given you, even though I know you're about to spurn me. Yeah, and I love this. And what does the Spirit do? Um, uh, when the, well, the Spirit of truth comes, He guides you into all truth. You know, I think so often we think as clergy or we think as fellow Christians and accountability groups, it's our job to lead people into all truth and righteousness. And uh, But it's actually the Spirit. And so uh, to, um, to, uh, to really... Uh, understand the Trinity is to have a high view of the Spirit, understand that the Spirit is directing all people. and, uh, and uh, But he doesn't speak on his own. I love that. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit never points to himself. Um, uh, the Spirit always points us to Jesus and, uh, and, uh, and declares all the things that Jesus has given him so that uh, he glorifies Jesus and that uh, the Spirit working through us might glorify Jesus. And so... Um, this is very powerful because this reminds us that um, as we go back, if you go to Proverbs and then you go to Romans, so the same God who created you is the same God who has justified you. Uh, what we learn from Jesus is the work of the Spirit is that the same God um, is now uh, with you always, uh, with you and working through you to lead you to all truth and righteousness, uh, that you uh, uh, might know that uh, you belong to Jesus. And if you belong to Jesus, you belong to the Father. And, um, and uh, that's the good news of, Holy, of the Holy Trinity Sunday, is that the same God who created you is the same God who saved you and is the same God who's with you always uh, to the very ends of the age. Yeah, and I think 
you know, this is a hard Sunday to preach because it's hard to make it stick with people. It's hard to make it feel real and quote unquote relevant and um, and illustrations are hard here, but anything you want Three to... Three-in-one uh, body wash. That's right. Just use that. Uh, and by the way, the, re- the problem, any of you, our listeners who wonder why is it bad to say God is three-in-one like water, which can be liquid, solid, and gas, um, it's because that is one thing turning into other things, and the Spirit never turns into the Son, and the Son never turns into the Father, and the God, and God the Father never turns into the Spirit or the Son. Like, they're distinct. Uh, they don't just, they're not shapeshifters. Um, and the reason the egg thing doesn't work is because um, the, the yolk is not an egg. The white is not an egg. The shell is not an egg. You have to have all those three things together. And we, yet we say, the Son is God. The Spirit is God. And the Father is God. And so that's why those metaphors don't work. So illustrations are hard, but I think um, if, if the thing that I usually end up uh, preaching a lot on, and I love, Jake, you said about kind of the God who created you, is the God who justified you, is the God who lives with you. Like, that's fantastic. And maybe that's what I'll preach on Sunday. Uh, one of the things, though, that I tend to fall on is the Holy Spirit, kind of, and we've just talked about the Holy Spirit on, on Pentecost Sunday, so maybe you don't need to do much work there. But in case you do, um, the Spirit and the fact that the Spirit is fully God, to me, is the thing that is often overlooked on in most people's theology, their operating theology of what it is to be a Christian. Uh, God the Father, they totally get that. God the Son, yeah, pretty clear on that. Uh, but God the Spirit and the fact that they're all God and they're one, that's where people kind of get off the bus. And so I tend to talk about the witness of the Spirit and the direction of the Holy Spirit and His work in your life. Um, but... Uh, I guess we're going to, I'll have to pray in the spirit for all of our listeners who are preaching this, that God will guide them into how they should proclaim Jesus um, and the Trinitarian revelation. It's a doozy. But remember, if you could figure God out, you might not want to worship him. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a good thing to say. Like, basically, from the beginning, I'm going to get, I'm not going to get this right. You're not going to understand it. And part of that is the point, because if you could figure it out, it probably wouldn't be God. Yeah. Well, uh, on that note, uh, happy preaching, everyone, and uh, we will, we will uh, uh, be with you all next week, so, uh, and we'll lick our wounds from Trinity Sunday, and uh, we'll go from there. Which also, by the way, I think is, is it Father's Day? Anyway, it's coming up. I don't it's, celebrate that at all. close, yeah. Anyway, stay, just stick to the church calendar. All right. Praise God. God bless everybody. Somebody's looking, somebody cares, somebody Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.